0: Welcome to the Baseball America Podcast. Coming to you
1: from the Baseball America Podcast nook, controls your throwing strikes, the command is you're hitting the spot. That's yeah. stupid. I'm sorry. I'm going to rant about this again, because that's just stupid, John. It is I'm stupid. Just... This is so ridiculous. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. If he was in the home run derby, I'd put him out of a decent chance of winning it against the Big leaguers. Surprised you could even hear us over the din of Ronnie
0: McCabe's tape gun. Here we go in three, two, one.
2: Play ball.
1: Welcome to part two of our Baseball America draft podcast wrap up. JJ Cooper here with John Manuel, Clint Longenecker. Before we jump in, we're going to go through the second half of the draft, teams who drafted 16 to 30, and and the couple who didn't have first-round picks, we're going to cover them all. Before we do that, we wanted to remind you, if you're dreaming of a job in professional baseball, apply free at sportsmanagementworldwide.com to see if you're qualified to become a scout, agent, or work on the business side of professional baseball. Go to sportsmanagementworldwide.com. So John, so Clint, we knocked out 1 through 15 yesterday. As we get ready for uh, day three of the draft here, we're going to look at the top ten rounds for uh, for the second half of the draft. That starts us at 16th pick. Diamondbacks took Tuki Toussaint, one of the uh, uh, more interesting high school pitchers, and there are many interesting high school pitchers in this draft. Tukey Toussaint, second round Cody Reed. They had two supplemental second round picks, Marcus Wilson, Esan Diaz. They go to Matt Raley. I'll start with you, John. What jumped out to you about their draft?
0: Well, you know, very high school-heavy draft for Arizona, which is an organization that last year was noteworthy for being pretty college-heavy, especially at the top with their two first-round picks, uh, Shipley and then Blair in the supplemental round. I just think over their history, you know, the Diamondbacks have been a little bit more college-heavy. Um, you know, obviously, you know, they took striker Trahan in, in, in 2012, and he's starting to hit a little bit this year too. So it's um, that they've been averse to high school players. I just thought Clint just going uh, – they, they went to the strength of the draft, high school pitching. It's a, it was a high school pitching draft, two very different bodies, really three very different bodies in their first three picks. <laughs> in uh, Tukey Toussaint, who, you know, I'm not comparing him to Bob Gibson. I'm just saying there's that Gibson look in his delivery, um, just physically the long arms. Uh, we've talked about how Tukey, you know, high school uh, – just and any pitcher, if, you, if he was the best pitcher in this draft at 16 – Overall uh, it, it wouldn't shock me just like Jose Fernandez at 15 became the best pitcher in the 2011 draft you know it just it just wouldn't stun me and uh, Cody Reed at uh, 54 you know I don't I'll be honest the video I've seen clearly does not look 260 but he's a big boy uh, maybe he's 245. he's a big boy. Um, I like some of their other picks uh, I, I saw Diaz moved up uh, you heard the Jose Vidro comps on him. I uh, don't believe that even though he's a Vanderbilt commitment, that he's really going to get to Vanderbilt. So uh, I think the Diamondbacks knew that, were able to take him there. And, and I like some of the power arms they got later: uh, McCullough, Jones, Zach Curtis, who leads Division One in strikeouts. A nice little senior sign. And I'm intrigued by Grant Heyman as well, the Juco guy they got in the eighth round from CCSN, uh, Miami Kickback. So I, I kind of like what Arizona did. Uh, if you can get a couple of frontline potential arms like they did in Reed and Tucson, I mean I think usually you out
2: of the draft room happy i'm with you all the way john i think just the upside you know with your your first five picks being husky guys it really is exciting group of talent you mentioned cody reed he's somebody who really should be commended for improving considerably over the last year at tournament of stars and throughout the rest of the summer and fall he was mostly sitting in the high 80s and he really improved over the offseason and even as the season wore on there was a stretch down down the the final part of the season where he was legitimately sitting ninety-two to ninety five touching ninety six with a plus slider and a plus changeup and certainly you know the body is a question because he is officially six foot one and we've heard reports he's up to two sixty but it does not like you said it does not look that big. It is it is strong, durable proportional but yeah he's he's really said in Marcus Wilson, I think that they mentioned this on the broadcast you know, you look at him physically, and he has a Cameron Maben-esque sort of frame. Yep. He's an athlete that you can dream on. There was talk late in the process of him potentially sneaking into the back half of the first round or, or early supplemental round, somewhere in that range, because of the athleticism and upside that he provides. And I'm glad that you mentioned Grant Heyman there, the outfielder who went in the eighth round. I believe he was in the tenth round of the 2012 a draft for the Blue Jays, and then he went his first year of college down to Miami, and he really excited a lot of people down there in the fall with the tools and the athleticism. And after that fall, there was some talk that he could potentially go in the top two rounds that he was showing those sorts of tools. Then he struggled in the spring and then moved on. But just the athleticism and the upside that you get in the eighth round, that's some pretty good value.
0: Yeah, he, uh, he he's got bat speed. He's got physicality. He's got the tools to hit. And when you're talking about a draft... Where people wanted to know like where are the college bats. To me, Graham Haman was one of the better college bats, and that's a wood bat league in the Scenic West. Uh, I, who, who, who am I kidding here? I'm a sucker for Scenic West J.C. <laughs> I, I love that league. I love the swag. Um, I, I like the guy. I mean, the guy slug 6.86 with nearly a you know it's a 300 plus ISO in a wood bat league. Granted, it's junior college, but just to throw around some Clint longnecker favorites, <laughs> 300 plus ISO. Uh, I'm I'm there. So I'm glad that you uh, that you liked them as well. But I I thought Arizona did a nice job.
2: Yeah, and I think it would be remiss if we did not mention Matt Rayleigh, who was their yep. third round pick, the left handed hitting outfielder who honestly probably has one of the purest and sweetest left-handed strokes in the entire draft. He's playing center field now. Most of the scouts think that at the higher levels he will probably move to a corner, but you're betting on the bat there, and you know, guys really, really liked what they saw from him this spring.
0: I always comp guys like that to Rusty Greer. You know, that's, I don't know why. I it's guess because of my game yeah. impersonation, but to me it's a, those are Rusty Greer types. Guys who hit maybe more like center field, or maybe, you know, maybe not profile plus power. But solid average power and gonna give you above average hit tool. Uh there, there's, there's a lot of value in players like that if they get if they hit.
2: I, I heard a pretty interesting one. I thought that it was a smaller because he is about five foot eleven, a smaller version of Michael Tucker. Oh, and I I think that's I think that's a, that's really intriguing. Good one.
0: Alright, JJ.
1: So that moves us on to the Royals. The Royals had a, a couple of first round picks. At seventeen, they take Brandon Finnegan, lefty out of TCU. At 28, they take Foster Griffin, lefty out of uh, high school in Orlando. It, you know, Two lefties already. The the thing about it is that they have been very tied to Toussaint, so uh, maybe they had to do a little bit of adjusting because Toussaint goes off the board one pick before them. What jumped out to you guys? Start with you, Clint, this time. What, what stood out to you about the Royals draft?
2: Just to be able to accumulate those three pitchers that they did with their first four picks, that just on, on a pure talent standpoint is – it's a really impressive haul. Scott blew it. If he had not had the, the arm injury, where he was out for close to a month, and maybe had a little better spring, maybe if the weather was a little bit warmer up in the Northeast, he's somebody who easily could have fit into the, into the top 30, 30, picks. I mean, the six foot six build, very good athlete, former hockey player. The arm really, really works. He's had trouble sustaining his velocity early in the majority of his of his starts he's gonna sit 90 to 92 touch 94 but the velocity has has backed up into the high 80s you know throughout the later innings of his starts but again if it's if it's a different spring if you could get outside a little more and he was entirely healthy this is a this is a first round talent
0: yeah I, I love blewett uh, he's from the Homer Bailey School of pitchers with bad names for pitchers. I mean, let's hope Scott Blue it doesn't move to the bullpen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, like he may as well change his name to Scott Blown Save. I mean, with that kind of name, I mean, that's just not—that's an unfortunate name for a pitcher. But I, I'm totally in agreement again, Clint. This is this would not make good TV. Uh, we're not uh, we're not argue, we're not embracing debate here. But I think you know how I love Chase Velo. Uh, huge power, uh, country boy, country strong. I'm on Chase Velo. I don't know if he'll catch or not, but. Uh, there's a chance to catch, and, boy, there's a real chance to hit and get to his power. Uh, fan of Foster Griffin. I think we're both fans of Foster Griffin. Great at NHSI. Really liked how he how he threw well there. I like the athleticism, like the body. Finnegan, where he got – I mean, they got really – they got three pitcher, pitchers right there in their first four picks who projected as first rounders at one point or another. Plus Velo, who I think, you know, projected it, – it's definitely one of the better hitters in this class – I mean, the bodies is kind of what scared people off. Um, you know, after that, you know, Brandon Downs' personal cheese ball, terrible spring. But uh, the tools are real there. But the rest of it really seemed like guys would sign for slot or below to help them sign those top four guys. And really, this draft is going to be about those top four guys. Yeah, sure. And just
2: to briefly go back to, to Chase Vallow. You know, he's yeah. somebody else. You're right, it's Vallow, by the way. Be not it's my bad losing the weight that he did he he was bigger he was you know he's he's legitimate 5 foot 11 he was pushing 220 towards the end of the summer and put on some weight at the end of that process but he he worked extremely hard to drop as much as 15 pounds the body was in such better shape and like you said i mean it's plus plus power from a raw standpoint and he got to it so much more and made so much more contact and he is one of the youngest position players in the entire class and everybody just raved about the makeup, and just he loves
1: to play the game.
0: That's it. Love that guy. A lot of good reasons to like him.
1: Well, guys, I do want to ask you guys about Finnegan a little bit. How much of a risk is it? You know, we saw him miss a little time during the season, came back from it, had his best post-injury start you know, right before the draft. But how much, we talk about him and Blewett, how much of a risk are they taking here as far as two guys who have had some some injury hiccups?
0: You know, Clint, real quick, for me, I mean, I think that Brandon Finnegan has a floor as a really good lefty reliever. Um, you know, he, he was, I, I don't think he's Billy Wagner. He's never thrown a hundred miles an hour. You know, Peter Gammons knows the Billy Wagner story as well as anybody. And when that got thrown around in our meetings at MLB network, Peter bristled a little bit because I think he thinks so highly <laughs> of, of Billy Wags and with good reason, Billy Wags is, is a great big league pitcher. So I, mean, I think it's, you know, maybe it's a poor man's Wagner, but you know, when the guy was good this year, it was three sixes. It was plus fastball, plus slider, plus change. That's a that's a risk I'm willing to take at 17. Um, do I think that Brandon Finnegan is going to be a, a consistent 180 to 200-inning pitcher? That might be a stretch. Uh, just the history that we have, that might be a stretch. But do I think he can do that in his best season, be a 180 to 200 innings and and be a, a, a average, you know, number three starter in the big leagues. Yeah, I do. I, so I think there's value there. So I, I understand that there. I think JJV framed it well. There is risk there, but I, I, I understand why the Royals accepted the risk.
2: I'm with you, John. Honestly, if you take out about a month stretch, yeah, and take the, take the long view on this, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, he's going in the top ten. And John, I actually have a question for you. Um, Mike Hampton, how would you kind of compare? Just, I mean, it seems like the body. And being being able to hold up over those 200 innings, that is something that has been a question for him, not just this this season, but his entire career. I mean, if, if Mike Hampton can do it, how would you just kind of compare those guys from from a body and physicality standpoint? I mean, is it fair to say that he has you know, a much more durable or a, a more durable body than he has a
0: Hampton-like frame in terms of the strength through his chest? I, I like that part of the comp. I'm not sure if he's quite as athletic as Mike Hampton, who yep. was a great hitter and runner and was like a high school football star, all that kind of stuff. So that's – I haven't dug enough on Finnegan, like, to see if he has that kind of elite athleticism. But he did yeah. throw 90-plus innings this year. Now, that's as many as Carlos Rodon threw, you know. Yeah. Finnegan was – so he pitched a lot this year. You know, It was only uh, 80 innings the year before, but he threw 91 so far this year. I don't know if that even includes last night's uh, – I don't think I include Super Regional yet. I don't think they've played yet. So let's watch this and see how Finnegan – you know, the real – the thing is he may have been uh, shut down really for that month because TCU was so careful with him because, you know, they went to take him to get an MRI, and the doctor said, you don't need an MRI. You're good. That's why – that was the root of my erroneous report, to to quote uh, Vince Vaughn, erroneous, erroneous. My report was erroneous. Because I knew they took him to get an MRI, but the doctor said, you're clear, you do not need it, just rest. So I think TCU, there's been so much focus and attention on college baseball in the negative. Jim Schlossnagel and TCU deserves it in the affirmative here, because they were careful with Brandon Finnegan. They put his health first, and I think it paid off, because he came back strong in regional. It helped them in the regional. They won a regional. They're two wins away from Omaha. And it helped him with the draft. He went really right where he probably should have gone, Clint. Yeah, there was a chance early that if he kept on pitching well, he would have gone fourth overall um, that high. But I, I think it worked out. Uh, so I think that they deserve credit. Looks like Very we lost cool. Looks like we lost uh, JJ, who was fading in and out. So if JJ comes back, um, uh, we, you know, we'll get you back. But JJ, I might just, uh, uh, if you can come back in, we'll, we'll get you back in.
2: Yeah. Um, and John, while we're on the Royals, I'll just give a brief thumbnail sketch about, about their, their fourth round pick, uh, DJ Burt, since he is a local guy at Fuquay Arena here in North Carolina. He's a high energy guy. He's playing shortstop now. Most scouts do believe that he's probably going to have to move off the position. He's an above average runner and is a right handed hitter, just a high energy guy, makes a good amount of contact, has enough sneaky power to get himself in trouble sometimes and have his, uh, his hitting approach not necessarily played to his skill set. But he he's another guy who just loves to play the game, and there's some tools there to work with. Yeah, I
0: got a text from a couple of the NC State players asking me about Burt yesterday, and they were very excited that for him to get drafted. They, they kind of echoed your uh, scouting report. So, so we were agreed. We really like what the uh, Royals did. Uh, how about the Nats? Uh, started off with Eric Fetty, Andrew Suarez, Jackson Reitz, and uh, then again, uh, some, some seniors sprinkled in at the back. Jeff Gardner, Dale Carey, Drew Van Orden. To be honest with you, Clint, those are three of the better uh, – I thought those were three of the better seniors available. Uh, Van Orden, to righty with pretty solid average stuff. The thing I think you like about Van Orden is that he got better from junior year to senior year. And I know. Aaron likes Drew Van Orden. He saw him good in the Cal Collegiate League last summer. Dale Carey got better. Jeff Gardner yeah. got better. So if you're going to take a senior uh, – Don't just take senior performers. Here's senior performers with some tools and some aptitude.
2: I think that's a great call. And Drew Van Orten, Aaron and I were both at that game when he matched up versus Carlos Rodon in one of his best starts of the entire season. And Van Orden was matching him, you know, pitch pitch for pitch uh, on an outcome, not necessarily a stuff basis, but just really competed, got swings and misses with the breaking stuff. You're right. For... For a senior sign, he he really provides some tremendous value, and I think it's been understated the season that Andrew Suarez is, has had. Looking at his control numbers, they're as good as any pitcher not named Kyle Freeland in college baseball right now. I mean, from from a draft standpoint, he's walking just I believe it is 1.2 per nine th- this year, and you know he was a he was a top 10 pick, unsigned out of. Out of high school, and uh, he had a significant velocity increase in the fall last year. And the velocity did slip a little bit in the middle of the season, longer season for him. But it's ratcheted back up down the stretch here. He's touched 96 within the last month, sitting 91 to 93 at times. And with his ability, you know, to, to be able to pitch with with four with four offerings that all that all are at least solid average and and command those, he's a pretty attractive option there with the second pick.
0: I'm with you. I mean, because uh, the Miami guys, the, they know how to develop pitchability lefties because yeah. J.D. Arteaga was one, and they had two others on the staff in Brad Radzuski, and then uh, Chris Diaz, the co-ACC pitcher of the year. But, um, but man, uh, this, so this guy knows how to pitch without his best stuff, and there are times where he's got his best stuff. Hey, look, when this guy was coming out of high school, he might have been the best Dade County high school pitcher since Gio Gonzalez. Uh, yep. And, and he had labrum surgery. But um, clearly come back healthy. I think you're right to, to point him out. Uh, what do you think of them taking Fetty with the top pick? And I know you're kind of high on Jackson Reitz as well. What was your take on those
2: picks? Yeah, I'll start with Jackson Reitz first. Um, I think for, for some people it was a surprise that he lasted a little bit. I mean, certainly he was right in this range in the second or third round range. Some people did like him a little more than that, probably on a consensus basis. This is this is right around where he fits. He he hit as consistently as almost anybody on the showcase circuit last summer, and he was a performer for Team USA. And certainly that means so much more for him than it does for anybody else from a high school standpoint in most other parts of the country because the quality of competition that he was facing this spring was just vastly inferior to to, to the other parts of the country. But he has a chance to hit and hit for a little bit of power too. He's a high-intensity gamer type. There's a lot to like here. Guys really believe in the makeup and in the athleticism. And he he's got he's got an above average arm behind the plate. And so we'll transition up over to Eric Fetty. You know, just to be able to get a talent like that at number eighteen, John, you and I have talked a little bit about him before. If he was healthy, there were so many people that thought that he was going to be a top ten pick because of the athleticism, the body, the way that it works easily. You know, his fastball at times was with City 92-94, to 94, Touchy 96. We even heard reports of him being better than that. So, right. John, um, t- tell me what you thought about the Eric Fetty selection.
0: I mean, I-, I love it. I mean, at the Nationals, it just makes so much sense. It's Well, I guess the reason I really like it is it's one of the few ones I got right in the mock first round. So <laughs> I got seven. I, I, uh, I guess I got eight or nine right, but I guess I get half credit because I got Pentecost and – Hoffman out of order. You know, Callis has all these crazy ways that he keeps score of these things. So. <laughs> Kudos to John Mayo. He got first, Jonathan Mayo. Jim Callis is a perfect 2005. Keeps fading deeper into the distance as he finishes third in this. And the best part about it is that he's so competitive about it that he was, like, sitting there during the first round going, I got, there's, I got, there's no chance. There's no chance I can catch up to Mayo now. You know, like, he's he was hating it. And then he was just trying to catch me, and then he couldn't catch me. Once I got Fetty right, he was like, oh, I think I'm in trouble now. So... So, yeah, so that's why I like the Eric Fetty pick. It just made a lot of sense. And you know what? The Nationals, hey, Jordan Zimmerman had Tommy John. Strasburg's had Tommy John. Uh, they, they're not averse to Tommy John surgery, and with good reason. Let's move on to the Reds, the Redlegs. Uh, Nick Howard, a little bit of a surprise, uh, Clint, that Nick Howard was their first pick. They weren't a team that had been associated with Nick Howard. Uh, but then Alex Blandino announced it's a shortstop second Taylor Sparks, third. Uh, This was a team that went very heavy on the college side. The only high schoolers they took in the first ten rounds, Clint, Gavin LaVallee, who you implored me to put in the top 500, and I ignored you. which is to my detriment. And then uh, Shane Marderosian. Got to love those great Armenian names in Southern California. Um,
2: Gamer um, type. That guy loves to play and that guy loves to hit.
0: So they took a bad body high school cornerback and a high school second baseman. Those are their only two high school players in the whole first ten rounds. Fairly conservative-looking draft from the outside. Is it, Clint? Is it really a conservative draft? Because from, from my quick study, it looks like it is.
2: I, th- I think it's safe to say that probably leans that way, but that's going to be true almost any time you go that college-heavy. Um, and Alex Blandino, if we can just focus on him for a little bit, John, you had heard reports on the West Coast that he was moving very quickly You know, throughout the last few weeks up in this entire process and got a chance to talk to a few people out on the west coast and because of the athleticism and he's, a, he's just a gamer type his skills play you know you believe in the bat i heard a great comparison that he will end up being or scouts think that he might end up being a matt carpenter type of player because you believe in the contact skills and you really just like the athleticism and the versatility that he brings to the table and the power started to show up for him significantly down the stretch didn't it john
0: yeah, it really did. I would Boy, Matt Carpenter, that's a lofty, lofty comp. So I, I, I would Not love it. Not
2: necessarily a comp, but just that type of a player.
0: Right. Well, he is a second base, third base type for sure. I like that the Reds announced him as a shortstop. You know, the, the comp that Chris Buckley threw out that I saw was Todd Frazier. You know, and uh, hmm. I don't think he's got that kind of raw power because Todd Frazier's raw power is huge. I think yep. blandino has got a little bit more. I think he's a little handsier player. More of a chance to stay in the middle of the diamond, maybe more likely second base than short. But he did play short in the Cape. And I know he's a below-average runner, but he has infield instincts. Uh, so I like the pick. I like Blandino quite a bit. Uh, I can almost see that Blandino could have gone ahead of Howard. But, I mean, if you don't believe that Nick Howard could start. But clearly the Reds are an organization that has had success with take, and, and, and has some conviction recently. First of all, they've had success developing pitchers. Uh, goes back to when they made Mac Jenkins their pitching coordinator. I really wish JJ were still on the call here because he could speak to this. But when they made Mac Jenkins their pitching coordinator, everything changed with that organization, hitting, pitching wise. And people other than Mac Jenkins are, I mean, he's just the name that sticks out in my head, uh, who have followed in that. But Homer Bailey, uh, Johnny Cueto, uh, you know, Tony Cingrani, Mike Leek obviously went straight to the big leagues. They have had some homegrown pitching. And Singrani's a guy who was more of a success as a reliever in college, converted to starting. They tried this last year with Michael Lorenzen, outfielder slash closer at Fullerton, converted to the start to starting. He's having success, some success in the minor leagues right now. Nick Howard started as a sophomore at Virginia, started in the Cape. Certainly athletic enough where if you give up the hitting part, which he's done with some success at UVA, keep him just on the mound. Hey, you know, Chris Buckley was part of uh, – uh, the team over in uh, Toronto, where they had some success converting some of those guys. So I like that pick. So I, I mean, I can see. Uh, so when you, when you really, when you pull back, you really do see that um, that, that Howard makes some sex, some success given the uh, track record that, that Chris Buckley's had. And the one last thing I want to throw in on uh, on Blandino with his twelve home runs. Actually, one, two, three, four, five. There's five Pac-12 teams that don't have as many home runs as him. So by himself. So, you know, the scouting world that always talks about how they don't let it fly at Stanford. They just try to stay inside the ball and go oppo all the time, blah, blah, blah. No, that is not Alex Blandino. The great Blandino lets it fly. So uh, we've been calling him that for years. That's a Dean Stotts nickname. But I just found out that Blandino's ethnic uh, background of that name is not Italian-American. It's Nicaraguan. So kind of cool. Keep an eye on Alex Bandino for a future Nicaraguan World Baseball Classic team. Just a reference for J.J. there when he <laughs> listens to this podcast since he's no longer on it. But, but I digress. Uh, Tampa, Clint, at 20, you know, the Rays have not drafted successfully lately. And we, when we, when we, that's just the bottom line. And when we looked at Tampa's draft, I think when you were projecting for Tampa, an organization that plays it very close to the vest, You did not hear a lot of talk out of them, but they're usually associated with raw athletes. I think we thought that they would be the kind of team that could take a Derrick Hill or that could take a Monte Harrison or that could take a Jacob Gatewood uh, or that could take a Michael Geddes earlier in the year. You know, that these the toolsy, raw, uh, let's bet on the bat projecting forward. But those are the kind of players they got associated with. That's not who they took. They took projectable young arms, but first and foremost – He's like a college performer in Casey Gillespie, kind of at a position of need for them. Although I know James loney has been good for them, I don't think they, he's not on a long term deal by any stretch. Uh, what do you think of the Gillespie pick? Did it surprise you there?
2: I'm not sure if it's I'm not sure if it surprised me that much, but you're right. I think just organizationally, I mean, the, the path is clear. If he can develop as as people expect, you know, there, there's probably a long term future for for him there at that position. But, I mean, I think the talent fit, fits right in this range. I mean, he's had a very, very strong season, controls the zone as well as, as any hitter in the, in the draft, and, and has the power, and you love the switch-hitting ability.
0: Yeah, I like it too. And then uh, boy, one of the most fascinating high school arms in the whole draft, Cam Varga, uh, with their second pick, Clint, because he's just so old. <laughs> you know, Two weeks, I believe it is, three weeks away from where if he'd gone to college, or if he were to go to college, he'd be an eligible freshman. Yep, <laughs> not even a redshirt, just a Chris Dwyer esque true freshman. He's got the athletic bloodlines the dad who played Division One college basketball and is a physical beast. And this guy is just huge.
2: And he played professionally in Europe for a number of years. And that right. is actually why Cam is older because he or Cameron, as he prefers to be called, he you know he went overseas with his father and then transferring back over to the states. Getting on the right clock that that's why he is he is old and you're right, yeah he will be twenty in August
0: yeah, because of the this August he'll be twenty, holy cow yes, that's nuts, but uh dominated just dominated dominated inferior high school competition in the Cincinnati private school league what do you have thirty three strikeouts in a row at one point yes that's nuts that's really <laughs> nuts I think jJ's trying to dial me in, but um but it, it's, it's he, he's a unique guy. But I actually, I hope this is a great spot for him in terms of where he fit on the draft board, Clint, because there's risk there. You have less track record with Cam Varga. He was handled very carefully, did not throw a lot last summer. You could see him, but he wasn't active at every showcase. He just has less track record innings-wise than most of their high school peers, right?
2: He does, and I think part of the the plays into that is he was a known entity down in Florida when he was at the IMG Academy his first two years. And, you know, certainly scouts got a chance to see him quite a bit down there, but then transferring back up to Ohio. And he did have, uh, I mean, the reason why he didn't pitch much over the summer is he was a little bit dinged up. And as you said, you know, they were handling it very, very cautiously. They're taking the long-term view, focusing on the spring. But you know there there were rumors that he was going to be able to pitch in the perfect game All American Classic and the Under Armour, but that did not materialize. But he showed very very well at the perfect game National, the very first event of the season, and was 92 to 94, touching five right. with the plus curveball. And throughout the spring, the velocity did dip a little bit towards the beginning, but back towards the end, he was once the weather started to warm up in Ohio and one of the coldest winters there. A long time, it it was 91 to 93, touching five again. And again, the curveball has a chance to be one of the better breaking pitches in the entire draft. And, you know, certainly this is going to be the case when you are facing that inferior, you know, Ohio small school competition. But yeah, the changeup didn't really have to show it too much. But the body, the athleticism, fastball, breaking ball, it's it's an intriguing package.
0: I like it. And, you know, if there's any organization that's going to get it out of them, the raised traffic is pretty doggone good. Uh, Brent Honeywell was actually the first junior college player taken. They went off our board for Brock Burke, a left-hander. How did I miss this guy, Clint? Projectable high school lefty in Colorado. What? What am I doing? How am I missing this guy? Weak sauce on my part, but uh, got a report up on him yesterday. It's in the draft database for subscribers. Uh, uh, at Reichel Muscle, one of my favorite Twitter handles on, on the web, uh, Michael Russell, this North Carolina shortstop, a real gamer, college performer, uh, like that pick for them in the fifth round. Michael Franco, same name but different spelling and completely different player as the Phillies farmhand. Anybody else stick out for you in the rest of this draft uh, for for the Rays? I kind of, it's a solid class. It didn't strike me one way or the other as above or below the norm.
2: Yeah, I think Brett Honeywell, just because he is so fast, it was it was really yeah, it was fun to talk to the scouts who got a chance to see him this year because. Really, really liked the body, the way that the arm worked, and he threw a ton of strikes. But what's fascinating about him is his best secondary pitch is a screwball, right? And the guys just didn't know what to do with it. They, you know, they came away throwing their hands up, saying, "This is a very, very good pitch." He gets out with he gets outs with it. It's going to be a good pitch going forward. But how many screwballs have we actually evaluated? I don't know what number to put on that, but we know it's a good offering, you know. So it, it was just it was just fascinating. The fastball. At his best, can sit 89-93, to 93, touchy 95. There, there's a lot to like there with Brent Honeywell. But just because he is so unique with that secondary offering, it's just kind of fun.
0: It makes you wonder if he's a Mike Marshall guy, but that makes me think. That's who throws screwballs, Mike Marshall guys. So. <laughs> it's a great call. Cleveland yeah, I, Indians,
2: uh, Clint. We, did not, we to... did not mention uh, Blake Bivens, the fourth-round oh, pick there from Virginia. He had one of the most impressive outings of the entire of the entire last year at Jupiter. He sat 90 to 92, touch 93, and his velocity has been similar to that. You know, more, more 89 to 92, touching 93. But his curveball, again, much like Varga, it is it has a chance to be a plus curveball. And you know, there were scouts walking away from that outing in Jupiter saying that that was the best amateur curveball they had seen over the entire summer and fall. It hasn't it hasn't showed quite as well this spring, but again. It is. It has a chance to be at least a six, and he th- he throws strikes.
0: Yeah, no, I like I like their I like their draft. Uh, I, I, I like the the pitchers they got in this draft, and Gillespie and Russell. They kind of bookended it with a couple of college performers. Uh, Cleveland always linked to college bats in the first round, and they bailed out Bradley Zimmer, who was on the board, and the t- camera was in his house, and all that good stuff, and he winds up going twenty first to Cleveland. And a couple of college bats that Cleveland went up taking, and again, corner bats for the Cleveland Indians in this draft. Um, and then, a, a, you know, a, an interesting mix here, Clint, with Bradley Zimmer, Mike Pappy, then Bobby Bradley, the high school first baseman down in uh, in, in uh, Mississippi, high school Mississippi players. Clint, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see, but uh, certainly the, the 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 bat on Bobby Bradley. Let's let's focus on him. Because he's a bat first, like a polished bat guy, so that really does set him apart in Mississippi history, doesn't it?
2: You know, it was very fascinating to to juxtapose him versus Tyquan Forbes.
0: Oh gosh, yeah.
2: Who's the other consensus player? They're both very young for the class. He's not quite as young as Forbes. So wait, but did Blake Anderson at the bottom of the defensive spectrum, bat first player, polished, did not swing and miss much. Guys like the way that, you know, think that he might be able to get to the power because it is plus power. It hasn't played quite as well in game action, but you're believing in the bad and the aptitude. But, you know, that versus Taequann Forbes, where everything is projection and athleticism, it, it was it was pretty amazing to see those guys on two opposite ends of the spectrum.
0: Did Blake Anderson lead the way out of the state of Mississippi? Was he, he did. Off, was he for, from
2: a high school, yes. Wow. At least from a high school standpoint, yeah. I don't think college factored in for the... That, no.
0: is, that is amazing. Yeah, because I guess I could have thought that it would have been uh, Jacob Lindgren could have gone first from the state. But obviously, uh, so Blake Anderson, so when you had Lindgren, you had Forbes, you have Bradley, Blake Anderson winds up being the first guy drafted. And, of course, we still haven't really heard, I don't believe, of any of those Southern Miss guys from that very fabled recruiting class. I guess Bradley Roney's been drafted, right? was originally a.
2: Yes, I think I think he won the ninth or the tenth round. And sorry, I apologize. I don't know. I did not remember who it was off the top. Of my head. I know that he did go late.
0: Yeah, oh, that's okay. Now, but like, uh, I know Bradley Roney went late, but I haven't heard, I didn't hear Connor Barron's name yesterday. I didn't hear Mason Robbins. Nope. I mean, like those guys went into school with a lot of fanfare. Barron was an unsigned third rounder. Robbins has had his moments in his college career, and those guys not I mean, I just. Things have not gone the way they thought they'd go at Southern Miss. But focusing back on on the uh, on the India on the tribe on Cleveland, let's just call them Cleveland because that is (laughs) call them Cleveland. Um, Zimmer and Pappy, two of the better college bats, and Justin Sheffield and Grant Hawk in a draft defined by high school velocity in many ways. These guys are more pitchability guys with good velocity as opposed to great velocity. This is an organization that doesn't have a lot of homegrown starting pitching of late. Um, you know, their starting pitchers in the big leagues—Masterson, Kluber, Bauer—these kind of guys are all trade guys from other organizations. Uh, what, what do you what do you think their chances are of getting Hocken and Sheffield to the big leagues?
2: I think Sheffield. I mean, as as far as high school guys, he has he has a pretty darn high floor for this class. That's what I think. Strong, strong, durable build. Everybody just loves the strike-throwing ability and the athleticism, and has a chance for two above-average off-speed offerings. There's, there's really a lot to like there. And I think just looking at the draft in its totality for Cleveland, it's hard not to really, really like what the, the collection of players they came with. You know, we're talking about all these guys who are attractive options at the top of the draft, but also, you know, five through ten. They, you know, if they can get some of these high school guys, because it was high school centric in the back half of the top ten, if they can get some of these high school guys signed. In that range, you know that's that's some pretty good value from top to bottom of that of that draft.
0: That's a great point, Clint. Because we've a lot of the other drafts we've looked at were college centric, senior centric at the back. They went high school. Simeon Lucas, kind of a toolsy high school af, uh, uh, catcher, in a deep class of high school catchers in the state of Illinois this year. Sam Hinches heard some real improvement out of Sam Hinches, Arkansas commit. Uh, that was a little bit higher than than we had him on the board, but certainly a guy who's got. Big time size, and you could see Sam Hentges, Uh There were some. There, there's something there. Uh, he got improved the body, some 93s. Uh, really, the whole question is: Is there uh, enough athleticism there, and is there going to be some arm speed? Because he certainly has arm strength and strength in that and long levers. It's six, 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 220 He's a big boy. Uh, I kind of like Sam Hinchess. That was an interesting. Uh, that was not the team I would have expected to reach up and grab him.
2: No. Uh, no. And
0: then Micah Minyard, another uh, Under Armour All-American, like Sam Hinch's Clearly, Indians valued uh, Under Armour All-Americans because there's two of them. And, Alex and Alexis Pantova. And
2: Alexis Pantoja, who went right behind him. They have got three.
0: That's just so a three guys from no, last year. They have year's four. So did, w- wait a minute is uh, is Steve Bernhardt on there on the payroll there in Cleveland? <laughs> but not, not nicely done by the Under Armour folks to identify top ten draft talents in their showcase, obviously. But um, there, there's intriguing high school upside there too. Is there one that you prefer out of that group? Henches, uh, Lucas, Mignard, Pantoja. It sounds like you kind of like Pantoja because of the glove.
2: Yeah, I think, I think the glove there really stands out for him. You know, he's just going to be a defensive first player. He has, I mean, behind, uh, you know, the shortstops down in Florida, you could say he's in contention, uh, for, for being one of the better shortstop defensively in this entire class. Probably fits in there, you know, maybe right behind or, or in that same group as, is, is Josh Morgan. He's going to have the glove to carry. And sorry, just to briefly go back over to the college side, Julian Merriweather, who they got with their fifth round pick. Yep. He's he's a student of the Texas Baseball Ranch and Ron Wolforth. And you know, for for a senior, this this guy has has you know better stuff than the typical senior. You're going to see that goes in goes in the top ten rounds. He consistently was ninety to ninety four, touching some touching some fives with with an above average change up. Um, there's, there's a lot to like there, Julian Merriweather for a senior. Yeah,
0: and this is a California kid too. Uh, again, I think he went to if, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this not the guy who went to Juniper, Juniper, ah, High and then Skyline junior college. Pretty sure that's I Merriweather. Sure that, um, so I, I heard more 87 than 92s, but he definitely performed at that level as well. And there's some track record. This guy didn't just drop out of the sky is the point. So, uh, yeah, at this NAIA school, let's move on to the Dodgers. Clint, um, I think early in the process, uh, you know, I was actually talking about this with Jonathan Mayo the other day. You know, when we're doing these mock drafts, we always wind up giving the Dodgers a high school arm. But, you know, they usually don't take high school arms in the first round, at least not lately. You know, Chris Anderson out of college last year. Corey Seager, college, a high school bat previously. They hadn't taken a high school pitcher in, in several years of that first pick, but they did it this year. It just was too perfect of a storm. Um, I still kind of wish they'd gone uh, – Spencer Adams, just to make my initial draft guess <laughs> look good, and I loved that guess. But they wind up going Grant Holmes, uh, 22nd. I think we both think that's pretty good value. And then really, Clint, uh, very intriguing. Speaking of the, under, of the Under Armour game, one of the better performers of that game, the two-way uh, high school player from Arizona, Alex Verdugo. And I texted with Logan White after the draft, asked him, Verdugo, outfield or on the mound? Yeah, He wanted to go out as a hitter, as we wrote. Um and Logan White said the Dodgers will give him every chance to go out there and hit. There have been, you know, Logan lives in Arizona. Uh, he's very familiar with Alex Verdugo. He's got good intel on on Alex Verdugo. And there are a lot of mixed reports on him in the field. But at his best, this is a guy who, on some of the travel ball circuits, at times showed you above average speed, the arm strength, ease of operation with the swing. But varied opinions on his bat this spring. Uh, The scouting consensus certainly was that people preferred him on the mound. The way Logan put it was like, hey, we can always go Kenley Jansen with this guy if we need to. So (laughs) so if this guy needs to go on the mound, if it doesn't work out for him at the plate, the Dodgers have a backup plan. That's why he's a second-rounder, not a first-rounder, Clint, because I think early in the year, the fastball in 94 and the slider that was short, sharp, and late, this guy had a chance to go out in the first round.
2: No question there. And just the feel for pitching is kind of the thing that also stands out with him. And, you know, he did miss uh, a few weeks. I I believe it was with a a blister or a fingernail issue. So that also probably contributed. Purported
0: uh, purported, uh, fingernail slash blister issue. And that's the other part of it. He really was a guy that the area guys I talked to in uh, Arizona were just very mixed on and having a hard time figuring out.
2: That's a great call. Yeah, and as far as where he fits in, you, you said you know at his best he might show above average speed. It is probably a corner profile over in right field. Towards towards the end of the showcase circuit, he was you know more more posting uh, you know below average or fringe average run times. But certainly with the arm strength going to have a you know, right field right field defensive skill set, and he he was he showed very very well on the showcase circuit with his bat. But yeah, as as you said, you know this, this spring was a little bit of a different story.
0: Anybody else really stand out for you on there? They went very college-heavy toward the back with uh, you know, Brock Stewart, Trevor Oaks, the California Baptist senior. Uh, Brock Stewart was a you know, son of a scout, Jeff Stewart. Um, even Jeff Brigham in the fourth round, John Ritchie in the third. You know, college guys with good development curves. Guys who uh, are late bloomers really on the college side, so I kind of like it from that standpoint. But this just seems like the Dodgers are uh, really going to concentrate most of their firepower on that superstar destroyer. I mean, actually, no, on Grant Holmes and Alex Alex Verdugo. So I had to give you a little Admiral Ackbar there. They're going to really concentrate their firepower on those top two guys.
2: Yeah. I think Jeff Brigham, just because of his, as you mentioned, his career path is very interesting. You know, had Tommy John early in his career, the right-hander from Washington, but came back this spring, really had a lot of buzz early in the process because reportedly he was up to 97 at at a big event. You know, down in down in Arizona, the velocity more so into the into the lower nineties, you know, being able to reach back and touch ninety-five, which is a very, very fastball, heavy approach. If he shows some feel for some off speed, he's someone who could show considerable improvement very fast because he's gonna be able to probably get ground balls. He pitches off of his fastball, which also does lead to a, a pitch to contact approach. And I think one of the things that stands out about him is just his strikeout rate yeah. For his stuff is incredibly low, um, and certainly that just goes to his pitching approach. But for his career, he's only struck out 4.4 per nine, and when I last checked, that was in contention for being the lowest strikeout rate of any pitcher in the last five years drafted in the top ten rounds from the college ranks.
0: Really, it's it's unreal. And I'll tell you, Clint, uh, he's he's a guy that the consistent answer across the Pacific Northwest and the West was. Best days are ahead of him. You know, this is – I I mean, you can't do this because of the age and because of the Tommy John, but he's almost got to be considered like a high school pitcher in some ways because he's just so new to that velocity and to that success. So the slider is really in its nascent stages. Depending on who you talk to, you get some guys who really like the slider, think he's going to be a ground ball guy going forward no matter what because the fastball has that just life and that boring uh, action to it. Uh, he's going to break some bats uh, with wood bats the pro level. But if the slider comes on, this could be a guy who gets into that six strikeout per nine ratio range with the high ground ball ratios, then you got a guy. Now, I don't think he's going to be a big league starter at 4.4 strikeouts per nine. So really the thing to watch here is uh, can he spin it, will he spin it, and what that secondary is going to look like down the line. Uh, let's move on to the Tigers, Clint, because I've uh, got to get moving on here. <laughs> As you know, I tell you, the probably the best job in the world I got to think would be like a Southeast cross checker for the Tigers. Because you're just gonna go to SEC games all the doggone time and bear down. You're gonna get like ten guys every year. I mean, the Tigers are uh, so what? What a predictable these guys are. I mean, uh, it's just SEC to the hilt. So Derek Hill, they moved up and took Derek Hill in the first round, a high school outfielder, uh, son of a mi- of a minor league uh, coach. And Orsinio Hill with one of the best names in the draft on the dad on the dad's <laughs> side. Um, but I'll tell you, um, so Orsinio Hill kind of stands out and talked about on the show being a Tigers fan and being a Torrey Hunter fan, um, and he certainly fits that Torrey Hunter profile. But then after that, Clint, boy, you, you want you want SEC, you got Alabama, you got two South Carolinas, you got seducti- seductivity from Vanderbilt. <laughs> He got uh Miss Ole Miss again.
2: Josh Lagser.
0: went they went two Ole Miss guys, right? No, one Ole Miss guy. Yeah. One Ole, Ole Miss, Alabama, Vanderbilt, two South Carolina. So five SEC players in the first ten rounds. This is really the 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 Tigers playing to form. Tulsi first rounder, college performers thereafter.
2: Yeah. I mean the thing that stands out with Derrick Hill, I mean, kind of like you've talked about, just not necessarily going to form in the first round for them is he is the uh, the first, uh, the last time that they drafted uh, a position player, first first overall, or not necessarily first overall, because they had uh, Nick Castellanos. But in the first round, it was going back to Cameron Mabin. So right. it had been that long. You know, what was that? The two two thousand five draft. But he is the premier defensive center fielder in this entire draft. At least seventy speed. You know, sometimes he can post better times than that. And just he has great just feel for the game, the feel for the game that you'd expect growing up. Uh, with that's sort of an upbringing around the game.
0: Yeah, and a good move by Arsenio Hill to move him to California, to the north, to Norco out of the Sacramento area, as opposed to uh, growing up some in Iowa when his dad had coached over there. Um, so Derek Hill, I mean, uh, you know, 6'3 s- speed. I mean, uh, and it just sounds like, again, this is a guy who, and you could see it really, Clint, on the broadcast. I'm not saying the body's done, but he's filled out some. There's some present strength now with Derek Hill, that wasn't there a year, year and a half ago. Again, the trajectory, the, the trend lines are up for him. Is there a Tigers college guy that you like best in that group? I think I know the answer, but uh, I would love to hear your answer.
2: <laughs> I think probably Spencer Turnbull, just because he's somebody, if they were to take this past him, who could be expedited very quickly um, You know, if they put him in the bullpen. The question with him is, is he going to be able to throw enough strikes to start? And the scouts down in Alabama really did... Commend the job that the coaching staff did and that Spencer showed with being able to make adjustments, trying to throw more strikes, but he just has a big, strong, durable build and his fastball can, I mean, it's a, it's another bat breaking fastball and can get up to 98 at times, even in the rotation and can sit you know, can sit mid to low 90s. So if, if they were to put him in the bullpen and fast track him, like they have done with some of those relievers that they drafted from the NCC from last year's class, he could probably move pretty quick just because of the raw stuff.
0: Yeah, I just like the idea of, you know, you could very well see in a couple of years him in a bullpen and Adam Ravenel starting, even though Ravenel was in a relief role in college and, and Turnbull was the starter. So, and there's, yeah. you know, they could flip those guys uh Ross Kivitt makes sense uh I should have predicted him as a Tigers pick because uh David Chad loves the Wichita he you know I believe he went to school at Wichita State I believe he is assistant coach there ties to that area I think he might, may still live part of the year there uh and then you have the two South Carolina teammates going to uh, Griner and Pancake going in lockstep to the Tigers any other Detroit notes before I move on to the Pirates who I thought had a much more interesting draft
2: I think just the fact that you had someone named Paul Volcker there, and <laughs> I, I love, love it. No. Former former chairman of the Federal Reserve, Paul Volcker. But uh, even him in, in, in the tenth round, this is power stuff. I mean, granted, it's a smaller frame at five foot ten, but he he he's someone also if, if he does move to the bullpen, you know, the stuff could play up there because he does have the ability to reach back for mid nineties.
0: Who's the Indiana baseball assistant coach? Isn't, isn't his name Greenspan?
2: Ben Greenspan, yes. There
0: you go. So they just need to hire Ben Greenspan to be his pitching coach. That's right. Greenspan and (laughs) Volkman. Fed chairman joke of the day here on the (laughs) Baseball America podcast. Not even current Fed chairman. Too removed. There are no baseball players named Bernanke that I know of. (laughs) And who's the new chairwoman? I forget her name.
2: Not sure. Too deep in the draft bunker.
0: Uh, I apologize, Clint. We're too deep in the draft bunker. But I, now, I'm going to say we're moving on to the Pirates. Pirates. I like the Pirates draft, Clint. I like Cole Tucker. I know he's quote-unquote a reach. He did not fit there. I believe they're going to sign him as part of a package deal. Uh, they'll save a little bit on Connor Joe, who's still a college bat that I like. They will pour money into Mitch Keller and Trey Shupak. If you're going to get a college performer... Jordan Luplo and uh Luplo and Taylor Gashu, two of the better ones. Yep. Michael Suki's got a pro-ready body. Uh, Tyler Epler is a college arm with some upside and some durability, and had a really good year. I like what I like what they did. I, I'm I'm in on the Pirates draft.
2: I'm with you. I mean, just just looking at it, you know, after the first day, there there were some questions, but no, just filtering filtering the money where they wanted to with the high school with the high school arms. This. This is, this is pretty exciting. And Connor Joe, he's had, he's had a great year. It's really, it's really tough to not like him with the bat, the bat speed, the ability to control the zone. And they announced him as an outfitter. There was some talk that, you know, he might, if he could stay behind the plate, he could move up, but he went, he went 39th overall. It's, uh, yeah, for, for a college hitter, he's, he fits a profile. Just a great, great athlete back there. And, uh, he was going to be able to move around very well in right field.
0: Yeah, and a guy who caught some. I think we thought he could go this yep. high if a team was convicted about catching. Yes. So maybe if something goes wrong with Reese McGuire, you might try it with this guy. But I don't think the Pirates see anything right. going on with Reese McGuire. And I don't either. That's like one of my favorite players in the minor leagues right now, Reese McGuire. So um, let's hope that nothing goes wrong with Reese McGuire because I want to see that guy get to the big league because he is fun to watch catch and throw. Um what, 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 do you have any uh, any dope on these guys they took a little bit later? They took another college catcher in Kevin Krause, uh, Austin Coley, Nelson Jorge. The name Nelson Jorge, I thought I'd heard this spring clip. I just couldn't remember if he was a, a priority guy down in Puerto Rico or not.
2: At least from the people that I spoke with, uh, his name did not come up too frequently as, in terms of factoring towards the top of the list of the guys from Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. But but Kevin Krause, uh, he was certainly a, a prominent as a freshman you know, being one of the key run producers on that Sony Brook team, making it to the college world series. And he's, uh, you know, he had a down year last year or not, so a down year, but just a missed year last year because of the broken he really came on strong this year. Conference player of the year has shown hitting ability as a very good athlete back there. You know, if, you now the question is whether he whether he can catch because he has shown the ability to run enough to play the outfield. But the scouts that I spoke with up in the Northeast really liked him, really liked the bat. You know, to be able to get him in the back half of the top ten, it's a pretty good haul.
0: I agree. I guess that they really wanted some college catching depth because Taylor Gashu and Krause um, both drafted. Those are two of the better college catchers available. And they get them both. If Jordan Luplo stays healthy, uh, this is a guy who I think could really be a nice college bat. Um, he has had right shoulder surgery in high school, left shoulder injury as a sophomore, knee injury last summer, was healthy this year and had a big year for a, frankly, disappointing uh, Fresno State team, but uh, considering how many players they had who were draft guys. Um, but yeah, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty interesting haul, I think, for the Pirates. I think we both kind of like Cole Tucker, uh, Clint, just as a guy who, if he fills out a little physically and moves him to third base, if he doesn't and the power doesn't come in, boy, see if this guy can maybe stay at shortstop. He'd be tall for that position, certainly, but he's rangy, and he certainly has a left side of the diamond arm.
2: Yeah, he sure does. He's other And he, as you mentioned, like with the ability for him to fill in, because it's just long, very, very lean, and he is also one of the youngest players in the entire class as well. And his, he's just a contact bat. He was kind of a, an eye of the beholder kind of player split camp guy out in Arizona. But, you know, you can really see what, you know, you can see a lot of different developmental paths with him. And I, th- I think we, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't short shrift uh, Mitch Keller and Trey Soup. He's just a little bit on those oh, guys. yeah, especially, yeah, especially
0: Mitch, Keller because, well, yes. both those guys. But Mitch Keller, Clint, had as much helium as anybody at the end of the draft. And, uh... Uh, this is a guy who uh, I think is really uh, kind of a heartbreaker for North Carolina because this is a guy they thought they had a chance to hold on to as a recruit, and now it looks like they don't. Uh, but this is a guy, you know, Keaton McKinney in, in Iowa had the higher profile coming into the year. I got some scouts tell me that Mitch Keller had a better changeup than Keaton McKinney, and Keaton McKinney's whole deal is the changeup. <laughs> this guy's great body, athleticism trend lines all pointing in the right direction improvement aptitude to physicality this guy could be a monster this this could be the biggest talent in their draft class
2: no i think he is and it's funny matt matt eddie did a very good piece within the last week just looking at what is the ideal profile for a high school right hander and i think mitch keller definitely fits the bill with the athleticism the body the width the arm work the ability to spin the breaking ball and as you mentioned aptitude for the changeup. this this is somebody who fits the profile
0: yeah, and then Trey Shupak, I think a guy who he went about where we thought he could go coming into the year, despite the fact that he really had a fairly uneven spring. Um, uh, t- t- to me, but I think Trey Shupak benefited from the fact that uh, Texas just wasn't that good this year, <laughs> you know. So um, up to ninety four sometimes this spring. Doesn't always hold that velocity, but uh, sounds like this is a guy who's there's some upside again. A, a power, right, high school right-handed arm. Who would you really hoping If you're the Pirates, is that uh, the best days are ahead of him? Uh, you know, like, like you are with most high school pitchers. Uh, I never got a great feel that people liked Shupak's, uh you know, secondary stuff enough, Clint, for him to go this high. But I guess the Pirates did.
2: Yeah. I think he actually started altering his breaking ball. On the showcase circuit, he was throwing from a higher arm slot almost close to over the top, and he did show feel for spin with, with his curveball. I think now he's lowered his arm slot, starting to factor in a little more of a slider, so that is a developing pitch. But I think both of them show the chance to be at least average, and if you like him a little bit better, because he's he's always shown aptitude for the offering.
0: Yep, that no, sounds good. Uh, I'm I'm... I I think, as we said, I'm in on the Pirates uh, draft class. Uh, I'm, I'm in on what that organization has been doing lately, and I was not in on what that organization had been doing previously. But I've seen the light. Uh, I, I, I really like what they've done in the farm system. Clint, it felt like it was like a flashback to 2002 in the Oakland Athletics draft room. Pick a 25th <laughs> overall. I'm scrolling through the draft database. I only see one high school, two high school players. I'll tell you, I like the high school players they got Clint. I like where they took Brandon Kelleher in the eighth round. I mean, I don't think he's a Tim Lincecum guy, but he's a guy that had a really good area codes. We'll flash in average fastball. We'll sit average fastball. We'll flash in average to above breaking ball at times. And we're Trace Lore fans. We definitely thought Trace Lore would go out a lot higher than he did. Um interesting college class. If if it were up to me, and I'm not I'm no scout, but I think the cons- I thought the consensus was Blandino over chapman blandino would have redrafted them so i really thought they would go blandino they wind up going matt chapman who is one of the more pure arms that i've seen in college baseball well he's probably the purest just arm strength i've seen in a college baseball position player but as i said on the broadcast claiming the report i had on last summer was this guy's a pitcher and doesn't know it clearly the the tight uh, the uh, the Titans didn't think that and neither do the athletics because they have him uh they, they took him in the first round to hit
2: yeah, they sure, they sure did. And just to focus on those next four picks, you know, smaller, six six one to 6' foot uh, right-handed college college guys. All <laughs>
0: across the board. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
2: No, but I mean, Brett Graves, you know, I, I think he's, he's similar in a little, in, in some ways, just with the body and the athleticism that Jeff Bringham, but throws a ton of strikes, has feel for spin, you know, at least an average breaking ball if not better, strong track record. There's lots of like there with, with, with Brett Graves and, and Daniel Gas. I think those, both of those guys kind of fit a similar mold with, you know, with the athleticism and, uh, and the arm strength from Maybe. a, from a smaller build. They really did take a lot of players from the same phylum. Yep. I, if I may use a, word of yours, I think definitely applies here. let um, so Let's move on that. But I'm, i I hate to say it. The A's class just does
0: not excite me. It's a good class. I like it. Um, I like the players they took, but it's just such a monochromatic class. There's there's the college position player with a great arm, the best arm they drafted. A lot of those short pitchers from the same phylum, and then really Trey's lore is the most interesting guy to me as a left-handed hitting potential middle of the diamond uh, middle infielder. Um, uh, but anybody else there really stand out for you, Clint?
2: I think Michael Fagan, just because he is so fast, and he's the ninth-round left-hander out of Princeton as a senior, his first three years, and he got some time in the rotation. This is not a small sample size Horrendous. thing, but he walked 11, almost 12 men per nine. It was and like it was, a
0: two-to-one strike, walk-to-strikeout rate.
2: Yes, it was incredible, and this year, made some adjustments to the delivery. There is still some effort to the delivery, but he dropped it down. What would that be? A couple hundred percent, four hundred percent down <laughs> to like two and a, two and a half for nine. John, can you think of somebody who's made that sort of wholesale adjustments in, in such short, a short time frame? I,
0: I can't. I, you know, because it wasn't just what he did at Princeton. How about his Cape Cod league, where he yes. had he got nineteen yes. outs and walked twenty guys? <laughs> I mean, that's hard to do. So, first of all, kudos to Michael Fagan. Imagine the time he spent in the bullpen. Imagine the bullpens, the meetings, the work he must have done with the Princeton coaches to, to figure this out and the frustration he must have experienced his first three years where he just could not unlock this you know, talent because he had a left-hander with a quick arm and up to 92 and a lot of 87 to 91. I mean, and not as you wrote uh, on the scouting report, really uh, had a good start at a good time against Brent Jones with a lot yep. of scouting heat in there. So that's really a, I just commend the the pitcher for doing that, but I cannot think of a guy and for who,
2: Bradley in the staff, no yeah, question. I
0: I just can't I can't think of a guy who made that big of an improvement uh, in the walk numbers because I uh, I can't think of anybody who had a two to one walk strikeout rate who got drafted. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone I I just have forgotten them, and the deep recesses of Star Trek references and. Other, <laughs> And other ridiculous inside jokes that we have here in the office. So I I apologize to our listeners. Uh, A much different draft approach in Boston. Still some college performers, Clint. But they really went heavy high school at the top. Upside, Michael Chavis, Michael Kopech, Sam, don't call me Michael Travers, uh, Travis, I should say, um, was the college performer there. Uh, Boston, really, like you could not be over six feet tall and get drafted by them if you're a bat, uh, with Travis and Chavis, a couple shorter right-right guys, uh, but a pretty intriguing class for them, Clint, when you talk about um, two of the better, more polished bats in the class, and really two just exciting, quick arms in Kozar, and especially Kopek guy who had late helium.
2: No question. I think they were just sitting in a in a very advantageous position there at, at 26 and and 33. And you know certainly in the last podcast we talked about Michael Kopik and everything that he brings to the table. And there's inherent risk in a high school right-hander, but this this is what you look for in one of those guys. And, and Michael Chavis, you know, he showed personality during the broadcast. But I mean, the bat the bat is going to carry him. There's you know second or third. There, there's some debate there potentially moving behind the plate. The consensus probably leans towards. Him at third base with the arm strength. But his bat, he, he hit everywhere over the summer. He hit he hit this spring. And guys just love the makeup and, and the, way that, the way that he just loves the game.
0: Yeah, Grinder, uh, I didn't know he was that uh, physically mature to have a beard at draft day. That's, that might be a first. The uh, Ron C. body
2: comps, John. What's that? The Ron C. body comps on him. <laughs> I love those. Is the torso that long and the legs that short? It's it's pretty close.
0: <laughs> That's I, I don't know. That's probably better than getting a John Manuel body comp. But uh, <laughs> I bet you Michael Chavis fills out a suit better than I do. Um, but uh, I like I, I like what Boston did. Kevin McAvoy, pretty intriguing Northeast arm there as well. I know you are fairly familiar with Jake Kozart, Kind of entered the year as the top JUCO arm on the board. Clint, any he, and he uh, this that seemed like a good spot for him though, didn't it?
2: Yeah, sure. Honestly, I think that was right where we had him. We we had him, and granted, this is just our rankings. Uh, but yeah, we had him. I think ninety seven or ninety eight. So right in that range. He once he gets stronger, he's going to be able to maintain the velocity a little better. That was one of the knocks against him a little bit this spring. In the fall, ran it up to ninety eight. One of the quicker arms that you will ever see. It's elect. It's electric hand speed. Um, you know, over the course of the entire spring, he was at sometimes sitting in the low nineties. You know, so it just really just depends on the developmental path for I mean, If you put him in the bullpen, really, you know, he, he could he could come on very quick. You're betting on the arm speed in the athlete with him.
0: Interesting, uh, interesting guy. Another interesting draft, Clint, is the Cardinals. You know, the Cardinals played to their strength in this draft, and that is pitcher development. They've been so good at it lately. And you go pitchers with their first, what, five picks all the way through Austin Gomber in the fourth round. Um, a pretty amazing uh, run there. And they really uh, bookended these uh, higher ceiling guys with, uh, and then, you know, they mix in a college senior and Andrew Morales that will help them sign Jack Flaherty at 34. I said my piece on Jack Flaherty on the broadcast. I, I, I like that guy quite a bit. But Luke Weaver, a guy who was start of the year high on boards, really fell back, did not have a great start, but a good finishing kick. We saw a lot of Cardinals heat on him here in Chapel Hill down the road from us in North Carolina in early May when he pitched uh, against the Tar Heels. And the Cardinals were there. They saw him pitch very well there. Not the only time they saw him, uh, certainly, but um, athletic, quick-arm guy. Uh, Austin Gomber, a guy that you really liked a lot and who finished – very crucially for him, at a really good start after missing a couple weeks in the, I believe it's the Conference USA tournament that Florida Atlantic is in now. I forget what league they're in, but I think it's Conference USA. Um, I kind of like the pitchers they took Clint. Uh, I, I'm never a, really a huge fan of a team loading up just on one position, um, but they did mix in some position players in the second half of the first of the second day, particularly a favorite of mine, a Brian O'Keefe, the catcher at St. Joe's, strong-bodied, physical catcher. And then, uh, interesting Juco kid, Darren Seferina, who originally was signed to Bethune Cookman and just had a boffo year, uh, hitting over 400 at Miami-Dade. And
2: he, and he's a 70 grade runner too, John. The, the Florida roots with, uh, with the Cardinals draft run strong. I believe three players from South Florida and one from North Florida. So certainly a lot of presence down there this year from the Cardinals.
0: Yeah. Good point. Uh, with Gombers of uh, South Florida in college and Central Florida in high school and, uh, and then they obviously had a strong Southern California flavor with Flaherty, uh, and then Ronnie Williams. Uh, Clint, just talk a little bit about Ronnie Williams. He seems extremely intriguing as the athletic six footer. There's a pretty, boy if you have the athleticism and the quick arm, there's some exciting guys who fit that profile.
2: Yeah, it sure does. And sorry, let me correct myself first. Four guys from South Florida and then one from North Florida, and Luke Weaver. But yeah, Ronnie Williams. You saw him last summer on the Showcase Circuit and even the fall at Diamond Club. He was sitting in the high 80s, you know, touching 90, 91 at his best. Really came on strong this spring. You're betting on the athlete and, again, the arm speed with him. Touched 97, had a great showing uh, down at Sebring. I believe he, he was up to 95 there. Smaller frame, but uh, there's a lot to like there with him. Shows some feel for spin as well. Um, he was not necessarily a consent From the guys that I spoke with, at least, he was not actually a, a consensus second-round guy, but... Anytime you have these sort of tools and athleticism, they outstrip consensus.
0: Great point. That's exactly that's the best way to put that. Um, let's let's go to the Rangers. Then we got three more teams to discuss. I believe got four more: Texas, Atlanta, New York Yankees, and uh, Baltimore. Um, Texas uh, with a, Texas Texas this draft high ceiling, high risk, high reward guys. Uh, very high school heavy. Luis Ortiz, taquan Forbes, Josh Morgan. Well, Clint, to me, I mean, these are the kind of guys, Morgan and Forbes are the kind of guys some of these other teams just needed to mix in. There aren't a lot of them out there. But high school, the Diamond, athletes, I mean, I just feel like every team, like, has to try to take one of those guys in the first five rounds because there's just not that that many. And the Rangers are an organization that's had as much success as anybody in recent years getting uh, Latin American middle infield players, whether it's and Profar, Luis Sardinas, Lurie Garcia, Rugnet Odor, the list goes on, and yet they keep going after those kind of players because you got to have them, and you can move them elsewhere. Uh, I like that approach, and uh, A.J. Preller and uh, Kip Fagg and the, the the Rangers scouts, I like the top of their draft a lot, Clint, because Luis Ortiz has track record, power arm, I think he's cl- quite signable. Tyquan Forbes, uh, all kinds of directions that guy could go in, and Josh Morgan is more like the safe, quote unquote, you know, maybe lacks the impact with the bat, but this guy can really play defense and is a
2: dirtbag. It's a great call. Love the aptitude with, with Josh Morgan. Yeah, and, and some guys think he might have to move off the position to second base, but be an offensive minded second baseman. But some people are convicted because although he doesn't, I mean, in his glove at shortstop, because although he doesn't, you know, have quite the, uh, the plus speed and the plus arm, great hands and he's really just going to be able to work defensively, smooth actions. There's a lot to like there. And it's kind of funny that the Tyquan Forbes, I think it was a perfect, perfect fit for what they're looking for. There was talk, you know, the first time ever seeing Tyquan Forbes, that is a Rangers sort of guy. There was a few of us who had that discussion, just what they look for with the athleticism and upside. And, John, we, we touched on Luis Ortiz a little bit, but if you were to play out this spring, you know, 10 times, I should say the vast majority of the times Luis Ortiz – he would probably go much higher than this, assuming he was healthy. He finished very strong after coming back from the forearm. If healthy, he's he's at least a top twenty pick, if not much higher than that.
0: Yeah, and no, I agree. Uh, I, I I like I, I just I just like what the Rangers did. The Rangers have an approach. They have uh, uh, convictions. They stay true to them. They believe in their scouts. They believe in their evaluations. You know, and they have reason to. Not every move for them works out, but they've had some real successes, and I, I just I respect the club that believes in what it's doing and then goes out and does it. So that that's why it sticks out to me. Uh, I, I also like some of their college picks too. Here, Jose Trevino I think is a high floor kind of guy, and we'll see if he catches in pro ball. They announced him as a third baseman. There's a long track record of him hitting for power. Uh, West Benjamin, Tommy John college guy, but had a chance to go out higher if he'd been healthy. Uh Atlanta Braves, uh, Clint, I want to move on to Atlanta. Uh, another organization that, uh, again, kind of got back to Atlanta Bravesing here with some high school picks at the top of their draft, and Garrett Fullencheck and Braxton Davidson. Um, would not shock me, Clint, if they get a big league first baseman out of this, even though they've got Freddie Freeman signed up. It's just kind of interesting that uh, some of the guys at MLB.network uh, on the broadcast, I forget whether it was Harold or who had compared him to Freddie Freeman. They put him side by side with Freddie Freeman, and there were some similarities uh, in the in the uh, setup and in the swing. And obviously, the Braves have Freddie Freeman.
2: It's a great call, and he's somebody. Uh, I mean, his his approach at the plate really changed throughout the summer. Over the summer, there was some swing and miss. You saw the power; hit three home runs at Tournament of Stars. Saw at least plus power, if not better. He improved tremendously as a hitter this spring, showed the ability to just drive the ball the other way well. You, you, you have to love the bat, and he's, again, another young guy with aptitude. This is what you look for. I mean, it's you know buy, buying a high school bat is, is a tough thing to do. It takes conviction because there are so few guys that start at that end of the defensive spectrum who end up trickling into the major leagues, but this is somebody who has the ability to do so.
0: Yeah, I like it. I, I like what they. I like the the Braxton Davidson uh, bat and the profile, and I'll just always remember in HSI. Just how much Pete teams uh, when he came to the plate. The swarm of scouts who came to watch him hit told you he was a guy. You know, yep. uh, full and check. I really like Garrett Fulinchek. I think he was actually my favorite Texas prep, not named Kolick this year, uh, just because of the athleticism and the life and the projection on this guy. Uh, classic high school right-hander. Uh, I think you were a fan of Max Posey and Chad Sabatka. These guys are certainly from a similar phylum, Clint. Uh, big-bodied, hard-throwing college right-handers who are raw in their development, but have certainly flashed uh,
2: some upside. Yes, yeah, certainly. With Chad Sabatka, he was not able to throw a single pitch in game action this spring, had a back injury right before the beginning of game action, and he's another guy. If he was healthy, he could very well have went in the top two rounds like you said 6 foot 7 the arm works it's easy and in throwing bullpens down the stretch here he was sitting 90 to 92 touch in 3 and we we you know we're certainly going to expect that the velocity does return to that you know being able to touch the mid 90s if not a little higher and the North Carolina or the, the Carolina roots here with the Braves draft is pretty fascinating with as you mentioned at the top of the draft you know three of the first four from coming from the Carolinas and then you know their ninth ninth round pick with Jordan Edgerton
0: Good point, very good point. And there's Brad Roney, who we talked about earlier from Southern Miss, uh, with Atlanta in the eighth round, and Luke Di- Luke Dykstra, son of Lenny. Lenny's out of jail. <laughs> Lenny was uh, Lenny's involved, and in a good way, because it sounds like this guy, his son, has some of the grittiness and the fire that the dad uh, was noted for, and some of the hitting ability too. I really, I talked to some guys in California who really like Lenny Dykstra's kid, uh, Luke Dykstra. Grinder with tools. Uh, interesting that he lasted to the seventh round. Clint, let's talk about the Yankees and Orioles. Uh, last, but not certainly not least, and I got to tell you, for a team that did not pick till fifty-five, uh, I, I like what uh, what New York did. And again, I've said this on radio shows over and over again for years because I did the Yankees prospect lists for a long time. I think New York knows what it's doing when it comes to drafting pitchers, and they stayed true to what they do best. Four pitchers were their first four picks. Uh, I love Jacob Lindgren where they got him. Going to move quick. Going to be in the big leagues quick. Uh, would not shock me if he winds up setting up uh, uh, David Robertson uh, and Dylan Batansis. Wouldn't shock me if Jacob Lingard's their closer, to be honest with you, in 2016. or um, uh, It just wouldn't shock me because that guy's missed a billion bats this year with a fastball-slider combination at times. It's a, it's a, you usually pitch him with a six fastball and the. 60, 65, maybe even a 70 slider at times. Austin Descartes, I just have to say his name with my worst Northeast accent, but he, he certainly came on this year, Clint. Uh, mature. Uh, i got a guy with six, a lot of sixes on the card from Austin Dakar. Jordan Montgomery, I'm not as in love with. Uh, college performer. Uh, uh, kind of an awkward body to me, Clint. You just don't see a lot of guys. He's kind of knock-kneed. You've got me. Talk. You've got me looking at all these guys' bodies differently now, Clinton. It's all your fault. I blame you. Uh, but George, but yeah, Jordan Montgomery uh, in the fourth round, but college performer, pitchability guy, and then Jordan Foley in the fifth round, another power arm guy from the power arm, not great arm action phylum. Uh, I kind of like what they did. Uh, I, I'm a fan of New York's uh, draft, especially at the top.
2: I'm with you, and just to go back to lingering briefly, as we mentioned, you know he he misses a ton of bats. I think 45, 46 percent strikeout rate this year. Unreal. And more more than that, one guys do put it in play is one of the highest ground ball rates in college baseball. You're hard not to love that profile.
0: I'm really glad that you
2: mentioned that because that
0: that stuck out. That really stuck out in your. Uh... And your stat, look at the, at the top Division One prospects because he was, he's exactly, like, like you said, that's exactly what you're looking for. You're looking for missing bats and keep the ball out of the air, keep the ball in the ballpark. Those are the, the three things you want a reliever to do most are uh, throw strikes, miss bats, keep the ball in the ballpark. He does all those things. One extra base hit all year, a 124 opponent's batting average in college baseball's best league. And I also love that they handcuffed him in the. Uh, fantasy football parlance with uh, with with uh, Mississippi State's closer, Jonathan Holder. So uh I that was pretty interesting that they got both Bulldogs. So uh big day for the Yankees uh future bullpens. And then finally moving on to uh the Baltimore Orioles. I think it's very tough to have a great draft when you don't draft for the third round. The Orioles uh you know started with a high school hitter and Brian Gonzalez who was around three ten, three eleven uh in our uh so he was down, down in our BA five hundred at three eleven, that- but he winds up getting with the, going pick with their getting pop with their ninetieth pick, I think. So they could save a little money there and then draft Pat Connaughton with their second selection. Connaughton, the Notre Dame basketball and baseball player, is their second selection, so their best talent in this draft. Clint, maybe a guy who they don't see full time until twenty fifteen.
2: That's a great call. Yeah, and I think I think the the, par- the parallels there with uh with he and jeff smart and not necessarily you know the, the same t- sort of athleticism but you know just a multi-sport athlete from from notre dame um you know, do it give it your veto come on you said it you said you, you, you had a little veto there notre <laughs> yes. dame yours there it is yours yours is much better and just to briefly focus on the top of their draft brian gonzalez uh, as you can tell with the ranking from the people that i spoke with at least he was not a consensus third round third round pick and he is going to go out as a pitcher he has the you know two way ability but as a pitcher a big left-handed guy who throws a ton of strikes fills up the strike zone average fastball velocity but does have feel for for an above average changeup and he he's kind of kind of neat from a, from just a historical high school uh, standpoint cuz he's been one uh, one of the team leaders on uh, on three state 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 winning um teams there at Archbishop McCarthy
0: How about this one, uh, Clint uh Uh, On this Baltimore draft, David Hess, excuse me, the right-hander out of Tennessee Tech, uh, you know, touched some 96 and and really had a dominant kind of season. Sounds like he's a bullpen guy down the line. Yep. First of all, he's a Tullahoma guy. So if you watch the draft broadcast first, round, (laughs) you know I love Tullahoma, Tennessee. Rep (laughs) and present. Uh, Second of all, three Tennessee Tech players drafted in the first day, plus a recruit so again, I said it yesterday. Props to Matt Braga and that program. Third of all, first time in more than sixty years of existence for the conference and fifty years of drafts, of the Ohio Valley had five players taken in the first ten rounds. Three of them Tennessee Tech players. So just you know, wrapping up the podcast, something interesting to note um, for, uh, in this draft class, and you know, and, and even uh, Miles, uh, you know, who we're talking about here, uh, Daniel Miles. This is a guy, one of the Tennessee Tech guys. Out of Pascagoula, Mississippi. So back to the high school Mississippi thing too. I mean, he's a. If usually the track record is, if you want a Mississippi high school kid, wait till he goes to college. So just throwing that out there. I I kind of like if if you're gonna not have high picks, Clint. They got a a guy with a high pick arm strength in Tanner Scott, who's got a brother who played his college football at Northwestern and has an NFL free agent signee. Uh, Tanner Scott's up in the mid to upper nineties at times. Uh, from the left side, out of a very raw out of the Texas Junior College, plus physicality. A guy who sounds like uh, you would appreciate his uh, physique. Um, <laughs> a strong-bodied joker with a, a NFL safety kind of body. Um, and then some college performers uh, lower down with Austin Anderson kind of sticking out uh, to me at the bottom of their, uh, of, of that. Uh, I guess they also like football players because Max Hsu, their guy who uh, was going to play football at UCLA.
2: It's a great call, and Johnny, if you wouldn't mind just just giving a little more detail about Pat Kana, because I felt like I did not move give it justice and moved on to Brian Gonzalez. So if oh you yeah. Would...
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, Conantin, yeah, I'm I'm not sure if it's Conantin or kanaton I always thought it was Conantin. Um, you know, uh, sometimes scouts and I, I'll keep saying I'm not a scout. I'm certainly not even close. But I will. I do. Uh, I've talked to them enough to hear some of their thing they do, and I got a chance to see Notre Dame play at North Carolina in basketball this year and uh, really tried to bear down on, on Connaughton just to watch how he moved and how he played basketball. And I was really impressed with the body control, Clint. This is a guy who really knows how to uh, use a screen, knows how to move without the ball. I think he had more than seven rebounds uh, this per game this year at uh, at Notre Dame, even as a six-foot-five player. So a guy who knows how to use his body and knows how to box out, those kind of things. And there's some so the body control that he showed on the basketball court, I think translates on the baseball diamond because he's so raw. And I've talked to a couple guys who saw him in the Northeast in high school and really turned him in with a big number in high school. Uh, this guy is up to 94 miles an hour, and uh, the fastball command is all over the place. The inner, the, you know, he's just making it up as he goes along out there on the mountain. that's not to knock Mick Aoki and Chuck Resteno and the and Notre Dame staff. They just have such a limited time with him, and he came to them this year after a late basketball season ankle injury. And this is a guy who pitched eight, in, <clears throat> eight innings against Clemson with eight walks and no strikeouts, but he had enough feel for pitch to get ground balls when he needed it, and work his way through the jams in that game. And then the command really got better after after that. His last couple of strikes. tremendously so, so, yeah, big time. I mean, so I just I like the upside a lot with Pat Connaughton. I'm in on this guy. Uh, that was a great find, I think, a great move at 121 for Baltimore because he's got he's got big-time upside. And Yes, I think he is going to sign, and then he will play this winter for Mike Bray in the Fighting Irish Basketball program. Won last year, get his degree, and then Baltimore will see him next year. Um, but when you have a draft like this, why not take a chance on a guy with that kind of upside? So I like it.
2: And you, as you mentioned, with the command improving, his first half of the season, if I remember, right- brutal. He was walking more than nine per nine, more than one in inning by the end of the season. You know, he's somebody you could see improvements start to start in the strike throwing ability. By the end of the season, he's, it's still high, still not what you'd like, but down to five per nine. So to be able to make that sort of a change that, that quickly just speaks of the athleticism. And one thing the scouts have said is you know, you know that he's a premium athlete, but this you know, the delivery does not seem quite as athletic as he is, but again. You get him more more in the developmental system, that's going to come and has a chance to come very, very quickly.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. That, that last point, I've, I've run that by a couple of people. It's, it's, it's really mixed depending on who you talk to and when they saw him. In some outings, pretty stiff uh, delivery and almost rigid, I guess you'd say. And other times, you, know, you really saw a fluid athlete out there. And I, I just think he's a very tough guy to peg, um, but I like the upside there. Um, and he really did have some some really good starts. And one other uh, small factor to throw in here with uh, Notre Dame: Notre Dame didn't have a home field until the end of the season. The winter was so brutal up there that it really stopped some of their renovations and putting in new turf there. So they played all over the Midwest. They played home games at Chicago State this year. They played in Westfield, Indiana, <laughs> Grand Park like field. They played all over. So he was a tough guy to see. When we saw them play at Duke, he had just joined the team, um, and I missed him uh, at Duke. We didn't get a chance to see him in person. Even that, I think, was a, you know, he got moved up a day, so he threw three scoreless innings in his first outing uh, back from basketball, like a week after the season ended. So this guy's making it up as he goes along, but there are going to be a, probably a thousand people, Clint, who are going to tell you they were there on March 16th when Pat Connaughton and Michael Machuella through three scoreless innings against each other to start this final game of this Duke-Notre Dame series. Uh, there are going to be a lot of people I'll tell you they were there to see Notre Dame. And Pat Connaughton and Michael Machuella who could be the first pick in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> you got to know your audience, ladies and gentlemen, and Clint loves a good Bino Cook impersonation, and he still laughs at a bad one. So, um, no. but, there, but, but there are going to be a million people who tell you that uh, that they were there for that game because that could be two big leaguers a couple of years down the line. They're probably both going to really start their pro career in earnest in 2015. So, Clint, has been a long podcast. I got to go. I got a uh, daughter's, uh, <laughs> I got a, a dance recital to get to. But any final thoughts that you might have either on Baltimore or just on the second day in general? Or is there a guy that you're looking for today off the top of the third, uh, third day three?
2: Yeah, I think just to see who comes off the board early, because certainly we know that, uh, with what happened in 2012, with, I believe, and please, John, correct me if I am wrong, Felipe Perez, who, a high school guy who was in the top 500, who went through the draft, and then was, was signed after that, the draft. So a lot of these guys now are going to start to get picked towards the end, but who has a chance to go in these first, two or three rounds, who does have a chance to potentially get over slot. It's going to be very, very fascinating to see. And I think just overall, you know, um, for Baseball baseball America listeners and subscribers, thank you very much for paying attention this time of year. It's such a fun, exciting time of year to see the way that the draft plays out. So thank you very much.
0: Uh, I, I echo that. Uh, awesome stuff, Clint. You know, we've got a lot of great readers who keep us honest and uh, who love the draft like we love it. And that's uh, yep. that's what keeps us going. I want to remind you that if you love the game, like we love the game, and if you're dreaming of a job in professional baseball, apply free to sportsmanagementworldwide.com to see if you are qualified to become a scout, agent, or work on the business side of professional baseball. Sportsmanagementworldwide.com. One more day of draft to go. Keep up with it all at baseballamerica.com. Follow me at Clint underscore BA, uh, at JJCoop36, the at Baseball America Twitter will be fired up. I will join things later on in the afternoon uh, but family first even on a uh, draft day. Somebody at the uh, apparently the people over at the uh, Little gym and Carrie Clint did not pay attention to the <laughs> baseball draft. It's an outrage so, for Clint Longenecker. I'm John Manuel. thank you so much for the download. We'll see you on the next baseball America podcast. So long everybody.